the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Here now to begin our time together today on Way of Grace is Pastor Jessica Stan. This is the mature evidence in every family. Does a man operate according to his calling and follow Christ and follow the Father under the authoritative influence of the Holy Ghost? Does a woman who's called a wife operate in her calling and follow Christ in her subordinate and helpful role to her husband? Do the children submit themselves to their parents as unto the Lord, knowing that God raised the parents up over them to guard them and protect them and prepare them to get out into the world? Of Isaiah, we read the following The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. And then in the book of Hebrews, we're told that the word of God is living, powerful, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know, time and time again in the scriptures, we're assured of the reliability, accuracy, and power of the Bible. You're tuned to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand of Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Welcome to our program. Join us as we continue our study of Acts chapter 3. Here's Pastor Jesse to encourage us to continue in the Word of God. Very, very practical application are always, ladies and gentlemen, spiritual at their core. While the law always has a very practical application, they are spiritual at the core. This is why Paul, who was a lawyer and a theologian and a philosopher, that's what it meant to be a Pharisee, he was a lawyer, theologian, and philosopher, would say in Romans chapter 7, uh, the earlier part, the law is spiritual. He would say the law is spiritual. In other words, the law was not simply an external code that you kept in terms of practical application. It really targeted the heart. So every one of God's Old Testament precepts was really uh, a precept that targets the heart and raises the question, is your heart right? Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not just, you know, love your neighbor and then you find a list of external things to do. No, love your neighbor means you have to regard him as you regard yourself. You guys are both eternity bound souls. And so you want to uh, see his highest good as you would yours. That's what love would be. It's not just say hi to your neighbor and, you know, take out his garbage can if he forgets to do it at night. You have to pray for your neighbor. You have to seek opportunities for your neighbor to come to know God in Christ. That's what real love is. Am I making some sense? And so the law is always targeting the heart. The relationship that God has with his servants is in the heart. So from the heart do we believe that form of doctrine that was delivered unto us by which we are saying. Now watch what Jesus said. 
Go back to verse uh, 10. I want to get the context. And his disciples asked him, saying, why then say the scribes that Elias must first come? That's Elijah. Because the scribes were very much like our present-day theologians, wrapped up in an eschatology that was very carnal and earthly. I just want, I'll just lay it out to you. I see the parallel so clear, clear in my present generation. This is why you hear me espouse a very Christocentric eschatology. But the Pharisees in their day were looking for a political kingdom manifestation. And I've told you that there are four manifestations to the kingdom. There was the patriarchal manifestation. Then there was the theocratic manifestation. We are in the ecclesiastical manifestation. And then there's the final glorification of the kingdom of God. There's one more manifestation. They never saw the mystery of the gospel in the Old Testament, which would be the church. Because Israel simply thought that they would be the perpetuation of a theocratic kingdom when Messiah would come, sit on his physical throne, and run the world from Jerusalem. That's what they thought. And this is what the disciples even thought, even up to Acts chapter 1. So they're saying, when, what do they mean by Elias must first come? Now, you guys know this statement comes out of both the book of Kings as well as Malachi chapter 4. The last of the Old Testament prophets, Malachi means messenger, the last of the Old Testament prophets said Elias is coming, didn't he? And he is coming. And yet, just like today, what the Pharisees and the scribes thought that was Elias was going to be uh, resurrected or reincarnated and come back physically to dwell in the earth during a time in which there would be a restoration process. Look at what it says. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall come first and do what? Restore all things. Now, I want you to mark what's getting ready to take place. You're going to learn some things. Our word restore, restitution, are two sides of the same coin. Their root word is exactly the same. Jesus says, Elias truly shall come first. He's responding to the prophecy of Malachi 4. And he's responding to the assumptions that are being made by the rulers that Elias is coming, right? They are taking a very hyper-literal grammatical interpretation, failing to understand the theological and redemptive uh, interpretation of Scripture, which would cause Scripture to have its fulfillment in Christ instead of in Israel. There is at least five fundamental hermeneutical principles for sound biblical teaching. A literal, historical, grammatical, theological, and redemptive hermeneutical principle. Without this set of principles, you fail to see the scriptures the way Jesus saw them and the way Paul saw them. Are you hearing me? Without a theological and redemptive paradigm, you will miss Jesus in the Old Testament and you will not understand how the New Testament uh, uh, interprets the Old Testament passages in the Christocentric way that they do. Now watch what Jesus is getting ready to do. This is a hermeneutic our master is about to use, of which most of my present-day theologian brethren do not agree with. Jesus is getting ready to make Elias John the Baptist. Isn't that right? He's getting ready to take Elias and make him John the Baptist. Now, with a literal historical grammatical rule of interpretation, you can't do that. All right? There's no grounds for it. When you buy into that method of interpretation, we call that hyper-contextualizing. Hyper-contextualizing. It means to fail to understand an underlying hermeneutic by which the context really is serving to fulfill something superior. Hyper-contextualizing is when you're bound to the context only. 
but the scripture does not submit us to that hyper-contextualizing. Yes, understand the context, but also understand its ultimate prophetic purpose. Remember the rule, right? Lo, I come in the volume of the book is written of who? You are searching the scriptures and in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which what? Testify of me. So you always ask the question, how does this verse point to whom? Always. Or you are not done with your exegesis. You are not done with your exegesis. You see what Jesus is doing? He's bridging the gap between the old and the new. And he's going to show us how God had always meant for Elias to simply be a code name for John the Baptist. You know how we have aliases and AKAs and all that stuff? That's not new with God. Elias is a code name. But I say unto you that Elias is come already. Now who's talking? Jesus is talking. Now they're looking for Elias. But Elias has already come. And they did not what? Just like they didn't know Christ. Now watch this. But have done unto him whatsoever they have will. What did they do to him? They killed him. Isn't that right? Likewise shall also the son of man suffer of them. Who is he talking about? The Jewish people. Because we know according to Luke's gospel that uh, John the Baptist came in the spirit and power of Elijah, didn't he? To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. That's a restoration process. Am I making some sense? What did John the Baptist do? He made straight the path for the master to come by telling everyone Jesus is on his way. And in his preaching and in his teaching, the Spirit of God worked to turn the hearts of men back to God. That's a restoration. You know what that means? You and I are going through restoration. Are we not? The restoration is first deeply internal. That's where the work is taking place. We are being restored from within, not without. In our soul, not our bodies or our circumstances or our culture. We are being restored in our mind. Are you hearing me? This is the restoration that's taking place of which uh, Jesus is talking about, of which the disciples were struggling with. Go to Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Here it is again. And again, the text I was quoting from, from Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, is the last verse of that Old Testament where the prophecy goes silent for 400 years. But Acts chapter 1, verse 6. This is where we're getting close to home now. Listen to what he said. This is what the disciples say. They're all enamored. Listen to what he says in verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time, what? Restore. Restore again the kingdom of Israel. So they believed in a restoration process. And this is where we're going to wrap it up. I've got 10 minutes, and I, I want to make sure I make this application here. That way on Sunday we can just preach it through. I don't have to do a whole lot of teaching. I can preach on Sunday. So, so what Jesus did, did not do even at this time was to explain something that he knew that the disciples would only get when the third person is present. What Jesus did not do was occupy the role of the third person to explain to the disciples what he knew they would get when the third person would come. This gives us also an insight into the economic nature of the Trinity. Economy, remember stewardship, dispensation, roles, um, um, uh, the boundaries and parameters of our calling. 
This is the, one of the things, ladies, we learned years ago in systematic theology, the beauty and glory and splendor and reflection of our calling as men and women in the Trinitarian persons, how that the Father is preeminent and the Son subordinate to the Father and the Holy Ghost subordinate to the Son in their economical roles and relationships. Is that true? They are equal in nature, being divine, having their origin in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, but they are not equal in their authority or equal in their roles. The Spirit of God is subject to the Son, and the Son is subject to the Father. Do you believe that? Do you believe at any time the Holy Ghost said, you know what, Father, I actually don't want to do it Jesus' way. I mean, because Jesus always getting that glory. Can I have some glory sometime? Or Jesus saying, you know what, Father, all this stuff I'm going through for you, can I have a little bit of glory? It never happened between the three persons because the three persons were completely, completely and totally settled with who they were. Will you hear me? The father was blissfully content with his identity as the father. He did not need to be the son. The son was magnificently and gloriously content with being the son. He did not need to be the father. And the Holy Ghost was so absolutely delighted in being the Holy Ghost that he never one time in eternity past, nor will he in eternity future, covet to be the son or covet to be the father. Can I tell you why? Because all three persons by nature are intrinsically love. L-O-V-E. They are intrinsically love. God is love. Are you with me? Can I keep talking for my next? I got five minutes before I let you go. You can come back next week if you want to, if you don't want to. But see, this is where humanity is so far off the course. Because within the economic function of the Trinitarian persons who are gloriously divine by nature, and they could if they wanted to, but they never would because they are perfect and impeccable in their aspirations, in their volition, in their desires, in their passions, in their goals, in their wills, in their purposes, independently and collectively. They are completely content to operate all the time 24-7, if we can use that, although they operate outside of time as we know it, in another time dimension, they walk and they work and they think and they act in a perfect accord based upon love. So that if any of them at any time ever was jealous of the other, they would cease to be love intrinsically. Are you hearing me? If the son were to ever be jealous of the father... He would cease to be perfect love intrinsically. And that's not possible. That's not possible. And so what God has done for humanity, the pinnacle of his creation, man and woman, is to demonstrate that when we see God in the cooperative work of the three persons gloriously working together, equal in nature, subordinate in purpose, 
functioning to their own glory and the salvation of his people, happy. We see how God has meant for us to be with one another. Like this idea of egalitarianism, which I oppose everywhere. Equality across the board without distinction. This notion that we can demolish and destroy God-given roles. That somehow a woman can act like a man and a man can act like a woman. That a woman can take on a man's position and a man can take on a woman's position. That's high treason against the revelation of the economical manifestation of the glorious God of love. Am I making some sense? High treason against this God who has demonstrated that it's only love that can keep you in your lane, operating according to your calling, and manifesting the fullness of all that you are in your place. Only love can do that. Only love can, can allow you to experience the utter and total satisfaction of all that God wants you to be, although you can't be God. So here comes the devil. Right? In his jealous, maniacal, envious state. Inseminating into the body politic of humanity. Amongst the first parents, Adam and Eve. Telling Eve, you have equality both with your husband and with God. Girl, take it. Am I telling the truth? You may not like it, but I'm telling the God honest truth. This was high treason against the revelation of the triune God, and they knew this triune God better than we knew him because they were without sin. There was no mediator between them and the three persons. They had a wonderful relationship for five minutes with God until the devil came along and told them, you can be just like God. And see, every and in that sense, they are the furthest from being like God. When you and I violate the roles that we're called to, we are the furthest from being like God. We are just like the devil. When once we want to deny and erase the demarcation between who we are and the way that God made us and the way that God called us and the way that God purposed us, and particularly the pinnacle of his creation that he created in his image, for he created them male and female. In the image of God created he them. And he did not mix the categories. Am I making some sense? And so the rules of equality and subordination are critical to the manifestation of God's glory in the world. For God is only known by his work. Are you hearing me? God's only known by his work. You don't don't see Jesus arguing with the Father. Holy Ghost arguing with the Son. The Father arguing to try to get those two boys in line. Those two persons in line? No, because they walk in love and are content in their position. And this is the mature evidence in every family. Does a man operate according to his calling and follow Christ and follow the Father under the authoritative influence of the Holy Ghost? Does a woman who's called a wife operate in her calling and follow Christ in her subordinate and helpful role to her husband? Am I making some sense? Do the children submit themselves to their parents as unto the Lord, knowing that God raised the parents up over them to guard them and protect them and prepare them to get out into the world? See, children that understand their roles are going to be more capable of being successful when they leave home than the ones always fighting against their parents. Are y'all seeing what I'm saying? In other words, the family is a reflection of the Trinity. 
on an economic level, on an economic level. Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about restitution. So let me say it just a, just, I got one more minute. So for, because I want you to understand, and you guys are smart people, but you have to think this stuff through. Because, you know, TV and Internet and Facebook and all that stuff, it'd be stripping you guys of brain cells. I'm just telling y'all, you know, we get slow and dumb and stupid. Be careful who you listen to. Remember in our, 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 our money wellness program, our financial wellness program? Get the last two CDs because I deal with relationships in the last CD. And, and the relationships is critical. If, you, if your money is messed up, your relationships are messed up because the principles are the same. Did you get that? Yes, if your money is messed up, your relationship is messed up. Because if you, if you don't know how to operate according to a biblical economics, you're not going to be right in your relationship because the money is way too close when it comes to relationship issues. Yeah, you tie your money up, you're going to tie your relationship up. That's why ladies, listen. If you, listen, you ain't getting with a cat that don't have his money right, forget it. And brothers, I'm going to leave it right there. I'm dealing with a case right now. I'm dealing with a case right now of an a individual whose wife then messed up $50,000 and didn't let him know. So you know, you know what I'm doing. I'm saying, man, did you know what you married? Because, see, this is not about economics. This is about relationship. Am I telling the truth? Ain't, listen, ain't no way. That's bad language, but I want you to get it. Ain't no way. Ain't no way Barbara Gistan going to do that to me. No way. Are you hearing me? Uh, see, because I believe in, in an economic trinity in my household. I'm the head in my house. Did you get that? I'm the head. And my wife is the helper. She's the army. And all of her gifts will only operate according to God's approval when she stays in her lane. But the moment she's sneaking out and tapping into the account, oh, she's attacking, brother. The war is on. I'm laughing, I'm joking, but here's what I'm talking about. It's, it would imply a chasm of brokenness between the husband and the wife. A chasm is as wide as the Grand Canyon. For her to be so hateful and so selfish as to put me in debt to $50,000 and not let me know means two things. Her heart is hard as stone and I'm blind as a bat. Am I telling the truth? And we both need to see counsel for the next 10 years because this is a relationship issue. And, and if we're both talking about being Christians, we are in trouble spiritually. Am I telling the truth? We are in trouble spiritually when we're operating like that. There are huge spiritual inferences to be derived from that kind of behavior. Now, when God saved us, his purpose was to restore us from all of those kinds of tragedies. This is what I mean, mean by a comprehensive salvation. Because if my mind is being renewed and he has poured the love of God in my heart and he is now teaching me his precepts because he's giving me a heart of flesh and he's writing his laws on my heart and he's dwelling in me and he's walking with me, which is our theme for this year. You are the temple of God. If God's in me and walking with me, 
and he's in my spouse and walking with my spouse, ain't no way that this kind of falling over brokenness can actually depict what it means to be saved. You, you guys hear what I'm saying, right? So, so when, you, when you young people, when you vet that girl, I vet that brother, bring him to me. We'll line them up and we'll make sure, we'll make sure they line, cause, see, because otherwise you're setting yourself up for trouble. Am I making some sense? Yeah, see, see if you aren't ready to, if you aren't handling your finances right, uh, it's, it's indicative of either immaturity or, or a lack of actual spiritual reality. Well, you have been listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. If you have questions or comments about the program, maybe you would like to learn more about us here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Reach out to us by simply calling 510-886-9782, or you can visit our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Sunday services here at the church are 1030 in the morning. Friday evening is our Friday evening Bible study at 6.30. And man, we've got friends of the ministry from all over the Bay Area who join us for this Friday night Bible study. It is an amazing time of God's Word and sweet fellowship in Christ. 6.30 in the evening Tuesdays, our prayer time and a short Bible study as well. These meetings, again, the directions and information of which you can find at our website, grace Bible. Dot com or by calling 510-886-9782. This program continues to air here on this radio station and on the World Wide Web because you partner with us financially and prayerfully. Thank you for your support. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. And you can either give on a monthly basis or it's a one-time gift. It is all tax deductible, and again, the biggest part of your partnership with us is that we get to continue ministering the gospel of grace here in the Bay Area and all over the world. Consider that as you contact us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.